breakthrough boldness, spiritual boldness that we're talking about today is directly connected to belief. You can only follow Jesus as far as you believe he can take you. That's spiritual boldness. How big is my belief? And if I can, if I can figure out how much do I trust God, how, how far do I think he could take me, how big do I think he is, the larger your view of God grows, the bolder you get, right? Boldness is connected to your belief. You can only follow Jesus as far as you believe he could take you. And then lastly, just another general thought about boldness before we get into the word. Our boldness is directly connected to our closeness to God. Directly connected to how close you tie yourself to Jesus. How closely you're walking with him. How closely you stay to him. How closely you want to hear him. How much you stay next to him in life. I remember when I was a kid, I had two big brothers. And one of them was uh, six years, six or seven years older than me. And so when I was a little kid, he was like the man. And he was into martial arts and lifting weights. And I just remember looking at him and, and I was this scrawny little kid. I was always the smallest in my class and, and always just real little. And I remember looking at him and he had huge muscles and, um, and he worked out and he did martial arts and he was good at everything. And I was just like, oh man, my brother's the toughest person in the world. And when I was with my big brother, I felt like no one could hurt me, right? And so then I went to college in Minneapolis where he had gone to school and he was a security guard at a, at a big skyscraper downtown Minneapolis and he managed the whole security department there and he told me all these stories about having to arrest people and, and, and just getting in fights and, 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 he, and he could do it because he had all the training and, and I'm like, man, my brother is the toughest. And so guess what? When I walked around downtown Minneapolis with my big brother, I thought we were invincible. And I'm like, no one can, you know, my brother's here. He could take care of anything, right? Now with hindsight, I'm like, I'm like you know, my brother was all of 5'9 and um, 170 pounds. It's like, it's not like he was exactly a force to be reckoned with. But I believed that my brother could do anything. That my brother could protect me. I believe, I believed that he had what it took if the stakes got high. See, when you're close to Jesus, he's like the biggest brother you'll ever have. He's got the biggest muscles. He's got the most knowledge. He's got the most resources. And really, when you're with him, it's gonna rub off on you that you can go anywhere, that you can do anything, that he's more than enough. And so when I'm closer to Jesus, that equals more boldness. What did Jesus say? With God, nothing is impossible with God. And so the closeness is the key. And so the question today as we talk about boldness is, do we really act like Jesus is with us? Or do we act like we left him at church? Do we really act like he's right beside us? Does our boldness reflect how strong our big brother is? We will see breakthrough when, number one, we will see breakthrough when we boldly stand in spite of opposition. Now, you might say, Joe, why in the world are we starting with this one? Why are we, why are we starting, starting with this? this? Listen, unfortunately, 
And for some of you that are, might be new or haven't begun to follow Jesus yet, or maybe you're new in your walk with Jesus, you know, this might seem like kind of a downer, but remember, you got to remember who you're walking with. And so, unfortunately, though, there's not always a warm-up period for new believers when it comes to opposition. More times than not, when somebody gives their heart and gives their life to Christ, they immediately encounter some sort of opposition. Why is that? Because you have an enemy of your souls that doesn't want you getting close to Christ. And his name is Satan. You know, that might not be politically correct or culturally, you know, whatever to, no, there's a real devil, a real Satan that wants to kill you. He's out for your soul. And the last thing in the world that he wants you to do is get close to Jesus because when you do, he knows that you are afforded everything that you need for life. And he wants to destroy your life. And so when we make a decision to follow Jesus, many times we immediately experience opposition. And this can be a disillusioning thing for a new believer to go through. You know, we had this mountaintop experience of meeting Jesus. We're on a high emotionally. We're like, man, I just got saved. All my shame, all my guilt, it's gone. I am the most excited person in the world. And for a time, that emotional high might carry us through because God is working in us. Man, new believers are some of my favorite people in the world. They're saying and spraying it that Jesus loves them, that they've been changed, that they're forgiven, and they want the entire world to know. And then at some point, they begin to encounter real life opposition. Peter and the disciples, right after they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, Peter preaches this amazing message. You know, thousands of people come to know Christ. Then just like a chapter later, Peter, through the Holy Spirit's power, heals, heals a guy at the temple gate. And what happens next? They get thrown in jail. Almost immediately after they step out and start being bold for Christ, you know, through the Holy Spirit's power. And remember, it wasn't their boldness. It was put into them by the Holy Spirit. And so right after that, they start experiencing this crazy opposition. The church that we're going to talk about today in, in, Thess in, in Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church. The whole reason that Paul was writing this letter to them is because he had to leave because they were being persecuted so bad. And so just imagine, Paul goes and he plants this church in Thessalonica. Their church in, comes under heavy persecution. The Jews had risen up against Paul and the church there and were set on destroying both of them. They, uh, the Jews enlisted all the Gentile citizens they could, um, they, could, they could get to join their attack against the church. And so the church in Thessalonica was experiencing opposition, very real persecution from both sides, from the Jews that didn't like that they were preaching that Christ was the Messiah and from the Gentiles that were just straight up pagans and heathens and, and, and were just kind of unaffiliated. So from both sides, you ever feel like you're getting it from both sides? It's like, man, everybody's mad at me. Well, the church in Thessal Thessalonica, everyone was mad at them. They were shaking things up. And so... The Jews convinced the people that the preaching of Christ would destroy their freedom and affect their jobs and businesses. The persecution became so violent that Paul was forced to flee for his life. Now, obviously, you and me, we get to come to church freely on a Sunday morning to a beautiful building, comfortable chairs. Aren't you thankful for that? I've sat in way less comfortable chairs in my life. Um, and, and man, we got it made. We really do. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that we have to worship freely. 
But these guys were you know, encountering very real physical persecution. Paul had to leave because he was afraid for his life. And so they're like, Paul, you got to go because you got more work to do. So you can't stay here. So what are, some, what are some oppositions that we might face in our culture? Here's just a few that I think are the biggest that we face as believers. And when you make a decision to follow Christ with your whole heart, when you really say, God, you're worthy of everything that I ever have, here's the things that you're going to face. I think the number one attack on our faith in today's society, no matter where you are in the world, is the thought and the claim that Jesus made that he's the only way. I don't think anything comes close. I think it's the number one reason why Jesus is is the most divisive person on the planet. And you might think, Joe, Joe, Jesus is a lover. He's not divisive. He absolutely is, but in the best way possible. Because he says, hey, I am the only way. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when you as a believer, you stand on that truth and you say, no, there's there's not multiple roads to heaven. There's not multiple roads to God. There is one and only person that paid for our freedom with his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the only name under heaven by which you and I or anyone on this planet, no matter their culture, their creed, their religion, can be saved. When you say that, and when you believe that, there will always and forever be opposition. What do people say? They say you're intolerant. They say you're crazy. They say you're out of touch and you're out of date. But when you know Jesus, you know he's the only way. And when you boldly stand up against opposition, you're not standing against, um, uh, a lot of times you're not standing against uh, like something violent, you're standing against an ideal that he's not the only way. Another thing that we face really strongly that I think is, is, is in opposition to our faith, especially here in America, is materialism. We are inundated with the thought that having more will make me happy when God's a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so the antithesis to materialism is giving. Not just of our finances, that's what we think most of the time, it's what we talked about last week, but no, our life, everything for the sake of the gospel. And then the last thing that I think plagues us in opposition in our culture is apathy. A lot of times we just don't care enough because we're not convinced of the why behind the what. But if we're gonna see breakthrough boldness in our life, we've gotta stand boldly in spite of opposition. So we land in our text, 1 Thessalonians 2.2. It says, yet our God gave us the courage. Remember, our courage comes from being close to God. It's not something that you can come up with on your own, right? Godly boldness starts when your boldness ends. And so God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of opposition. Before Before you you even get the chance chance to speak speak words words of life. life. To boldly stand up, many times you'll face opposition. You'll face opposition in your family. You'll face opposition by the naysayers that say you can't, you're not good enough, or who are you to speak into my life. You'll face opposition in your own self-talk. You'll be telling yourself, I can't, I don't know enough, I don't know what to say. 
Sometimes you'll face opposition because you've been offended. And, and that, that offense in your life that you can't get over stands in direct opposition to you giving the gospel that is free and undeserved. But the courage comes from God. The courage comes from laying down all that stuff and saying, despite of this opposition, despite of the cultural things, despite of the personal things, despite of the relational things, despite of any kind of opposition in my life, I'm boldly gonna stand and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna declare his good news in my life with my actions, attitudes, words, everything that I have, because he's worth it. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8 says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. Now you're gonna remember, you're like, Joel, I don't feel bold, I don't feel courageous. Well, hey, guess what? It doesn't come from you, it comes straight from the Spirit of God. The spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell, tell others about the Lord. And so where does this boldness come to stand in spite of opposition? It comes from being close, close to Jesus. Number two, breakthrough happens when we boldly share the gospel. So we're, gonna, so we're gonna boldly stand against opposition. We're gonna know what the kind of oppositions that we're facing in life. We're gonna acknowledge them as such. And then we're gonna stand up and we're gonna boldly share the gospel. First Thessalonians 2, 4. So remember, Paul is writing, I think, from Athens. He's writing to Thessalonica. And he's writing because he had believed. And he writes back to them and he says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Think about this. We speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Who do you trust with things that are really important in your life? You trust the people you're closest to, right? You trust the people that, that you know, that you, that you get, get close to. Think about it this way. If I'm gonna give something to somebody, now I know we have emails and we have PDFs and we have software and we got all this kind of stuff today to, to send stuff to people. But man, if I, really, if I got something really important that I wanna give someone, I'm probably not gonna send it on an email. I'm gonna to get together with them face to face. I'm gonna spend some time unpacking it. I'm gonna spend some time explaining it. And then what am I gonna, I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put it in their, into their hands. Think about that. Think about you spending time with Jesus, getting close to him in a relationship. You're reading his word. You're spending time at his feet. You're spending time worshiping and adoring him. And you look up into his eyes and God says, hey, I'm gonna entrust you with this. Because our relationship is close and it's special. I'm gonna entrust you with the most precious thing that I have, the message of the good news. And that's the picture that we've gotta get. Man, we've been approved by God and entrusted with the good news. And we're bold to sharing the gospel because we're here to please God and not to please people. So once again, we see this closeness. Listen though. When you take the step to be someone who shares the gospel, you're crossing an invisible line. 
You really are. You're crossing a threshold and you're, you're saying, hey, I'm going to go from being a, a consumer Christian who just comes and enjoys a good message on Sunday morning. And, and man, I love the music. Isn't it great? And man, you know, it's a comfortable and this is a great building. And man, I, you know, I love this church because I've got friends and, and all the things that it does for me. Right. That's that's kind of consumeristic. And, and I'm going to step over the line from being a consumer to now I'm being a contributor I'm being a preacher. You're like, Joe, I'm not a preacher. Well, actually, the Bible says that you're Christ's ambassador. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's you, that's me, that's every single person that has ever decided to follow Jesus. It's our mandate. It's our commission. It's our command. And so when you take a step to be someone who shares the gospel and you want God's boldness to get in you and flow out of you, you're stepping across that invisible line. You're going to bat for the kingdom of God. You're living with purpose. You're taking the cure that you have found in Christ and you're sharing it with others. Think about that, the cure. Can you imagine having the cure for something? Like the real cure. Like just imagine you had the cure that completely wiped out COVID and it was just gone. And you'd be like, thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine keeping that to yourself and not telling anybody about it? But we don't do that. As believers, we're saying, hey, I'm going to share it. Now, when I talk about this stuff, some people, different pictures flash in their mind. Maybe you see a fiery preacher, like telling everybody to turn or burn, sucker. Anybody have that kind of picture flash in your mind? You see somebody on a soapbox or on a street corner holding up a sign. It's like, hey, you know, that's sometimes the people, the picture that people get when we talk about sharing the gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, the elephant in any room when it comes to sharing your faith is that it's taboo to share your faith in our culture. It really is. And so what's the solution? If I know I'm supposed to share the faith, but I know that sometimes I'm gonna get lamb blasted for it and people aren't gonna approve of me, but hey, I know that I'm pleasing God, not people, but I wanna do it well. Because one thing that we see about the disciples and the apostles in scripture is that they were effective and they had influence. They were effective and they had influence. They're filled with God's spirit. And so what's the solution? Wisdom. Wisdom. Don't be a knothead and don't be a jerk. Don't be, don't share God's gospel without thought. Don't do it willy-nilly. Think about what you're doing. And we see this, uh, this in scripture. We see different approaches for different circumstances. We see Paul employ wisdom as he was not ashamed to share the gospel of Christ. So you got to remember they were being persecuted here at the church in Thessalonica. And so later on in, 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 in Thessalonians, Paul said, Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he said, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may be, know how to answer, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He also said, hey, live quiet lives. Let your neighbor see what you're doing and just be influenced by your behavior. And so the, the approach in every situation was different. Here's some other things that Paul said about sharing the gospel. He said, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might win some. So in one situation, I might act one, a certain way. In another situation, I might, might act a different way. Why? Because I want to build influence. Why? Because I want to get an inroad into people's lives so that I have an opportunity to share the gospel. Paul said to be wise in your interaction with outsiders. Paul said that elders and leaders in the church must be well thought of by 
outsiders. How many of you have known a church leader that didn't have a very good reputation in the community? Man. And yet we elevate, oh man, they've been in church for 30 years and, and, and by golly, they've done this and they that and they, they were a part of the building campaign. And I'm like, well, if we don't have a good reputation with outsiders, I'm not sure that really matters. And so when we talk about, hey, I want to share the gospel, I want, to, I want to boldly share the gospel, that doesn't mean that you're just going and shaking all your friends' shoulders and saying, you've got to listen to this. Now, sometimes there might be a place for that, and the moment might come where you've got to get in your friend's face and say, hey, you need Jesus. And you're doing that by the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit's guiding. But oftentimes, you're living out a life of holiness and consistency and integrity and faith in front of people until they ask you why. Boldly sharing the gospel. It looks different in every circumstance. There's no one size fits all. That's why as a church, we say we're a three-chair church. We want to be a place where unbelievers, new believers, and mature believers can all come into this place and experience Christ. They can grow in faith. And, and because of that, the approach is different. It's different in different circumstances. And when I talk to one person, I might use different examples. And when I talk to another, I'm going to use different. Why? Because we're speaking to them at the different places that they are in their journey. Right? And if we're going to be a three-tier church and you're going to call Mosaic Church your home and you're going to take on this command of, of Christ to, 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 to live out the Great Commission, then you probably should be intentional about developing a three-chair life. A three-chair life. This is more than just wearing a Christian t-shirt. This is more than slapping the bumper sticker on the back of your car. This is saying, hey, I'm gonna have, build real intentional relationships with unbelievers, with new believers, and mature believers. Why? Because I always want to be growing. I always want to be helping somebody be, you know, become a better disciple. And hey, I better have some relationships with some unbelievers that I'm hoping to lead to Christ. Barna is a research group that does all kinds of uh, uh, church research. And I'll throw that graphic up there, Jason. And I know it's kind of hard to see, but basically the, the, the line right next to the bottom, it's, it, it, it says that millennials, the percentage is growing that they think it's actually wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they'll one day share the same faith. Now, at the top, it says that part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus. And almost everyone agrees about that. 96 to 95% of millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, and elders, they all believe that part of our faith is sharing Jesus. But we have a generation growing up and we have people and in in, in the opposition of our culture is, is letting people believe the lie that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith. This is what the world would have us believe. And then below that it says, if someone disagrees with you, it means that they're judging you. 40% of millennials hold that to be true. Church, no matter what our age is, we've got to get to this point where we say, hey, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. We've got to embody Romans 1.16 where it says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed. And remember, it's not my boldness. 
that comes from the Holy Spirit. What happened when Paul just faith? And I'm not saying this will happen to you, but hey, it's a great gut check. Am I willing to pay the cost? The authorities imprisoned Paul and Philippi. The religionists ran him out of Thessalonica and threatened his life in Berea. And the intellectuals laughed him out of Athens. But he still boldly shared the gospel. Right? And he grew in influence with some people. But how many of you know you can't please everybody? But you know, you know the, the, the best thing? He just kept going. Number three. Number three. Breakthrough happens when I boldly, boldly share, share my, my life. And so we're going to boldly stand in spite of opposition. We're going to boldly share the gospel. And then we're not just going to share the gospel. We're going to boldly share our lives. Listen, I'm so thankful for the countless people in my journey growing up and throughout my whole life that shared their lives with me. They didn't just tell me what I should or shouldn't do, but they were with me. They went on trips with me. They hung out with me. They talked to me long hours about, about you know, questions that I had about my faith in life. There was this be with factor. Like they didn't just tell me what to do. They went along with me when I was doing it. Listen, do you want to get through to somebody? Do you want to share the gospel with somebody? Then share your life with them. Be intentional. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Paul said, we loved you so much. Underline that part. We loved you you so much. This is love. That we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And honestly, I think this is where a lot of, uh, a lot of us as Christ followers get it wrong. We're like, well, I told him. And Paul even says in, in one passage of scripture that, man, he did everything that he could do. And he, he said, he, he made this statement that their blood is not on my hands. And there is a place where it's like, hey, I got to make sure I get the message across. I want to say my piece. And hey, after I do that, hey, the ball's in your court. So there, there's, there's some of that. But we also see that Paul, it wasn't just a, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share the gospel in peace. You're on your own, sucker, right? No, he's like, I'm going to share the gospel with you and I'm going to share my life with you. And this is why life groups are so important. This is why it's so important to be a part of a community of, and really have friendships that are helping you grow in your faith. Why? Because we're meant to share our lives together. Too many people want to share advice, but not time. Have you ever been there? Somebody that just wants to tell you what to do, but they don't want to walk with you through it. And too much of the time, we just want to spout it off on Facebook. Well, you really need to do this. And it's like, oh, I said it. It's like, no, they, they don't need the comment on the Facebook. They need you to drive over to the house and be with them. They need you to, to spend time with them and go to lunch with them and, and talk to them and be a friend. They need you. People don't need just another voice in their life. We are inundated with voices and opinions and all day long, people need a person. They need a person. They need somebody to love them and share life with them and be with them. And so too many people wanna share advice, but not time. Too many people just wanna share a hack, but not their heart. People wanna share a little bit of their life, but not the whole. Listen, church, sharing your faith is not an event. It's your whole life. It's your whole life. It's everything. And if you're going to do it, and if you're going to be motivated to say, hey, this is worth my time, my energy, my schedule, my everything, then your why has to be clear. Why am I going to share my life with people? 
Why am I going to skip sometimes? I'm not saying all the time because I, I love going and having fun, but why sometimes might I skip the weekend at the lake or, or, or skip that, that, that night that was just for me, you know, to, to spend time with somebody else? Why? Because your why is big enough. Because the reason you're doing it is big enough. So what's our why? Why are we sharing the gospel? Why are we sharing our faith? Why would we share our life with people? Why would we suffer? I mean, because let's just get real. Sometimes that's what it is. Why would we suffer for the sake of the gospel? It kind of sounds funny because our kind of suffering isn't anything compared to what the disciples went through, right? But why would we? Maybe because Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. And if you're here today, you need to hear that. And you don't know Jesus, you need to hear that. There's nothing in your entire life that could ever happen better than you meeting Jesus and knowing him. The one that died for you on the cross, that loved you when you were unlovable. The one that says, hey, I wanna take your sin and throw it as far as the east is from the west. The one that, that looks you right in the eye and say, hey, I love you just as you are. And I love you too much to leave you there. Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. Why else do we share the gospel? Because Jesus told me to. He said to do it. Why else do we share the gospel? Because Jesus is the only way. And so if they don't know about Jesus, do the math. Why else do we share the gospel? Because we only live once. The Bible says that man is accounted once to die and then face the judgment. We only get one shot. We've got to share God's word. Why else? Because eternity is real. It's real. And I will spend eternity in one of two places. And many times throughout history, you know, this truth has kind of been used as a club. And I don't want to do that today, but we also want to preach the truth. And so I'm not saying this to scare you or to manipulate you or to get you just to a place of decision. But you need to grapple with the fact that every single one of us, our souls will live forever. And you will spend it in one of two places, in a very real place called heaven, eternally with Jesus in his presence, or eternally separated from God in a place, in a very real place called hell. So guys, boldness. Godly boldness begins where your boldness ends, where you're confronted with your comfort zone and you step outside of it and you invite that neighbor, you invite that friend, you share your story, you do something to bring Christ into the conversation. You share your life, you share a meal, you invite them over for supper, you take them out to coffee. You're kind when everybody else is a jerk, whatever it is. Listen, you can't give yourself to everything and everybody, but you can give your life to God's purposes. And you can do for one, I love this quote from Andy Stanley, you can do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You might say, Joe, I've got so many people in my life that need Jesus, what do I do? I feel overwhelmed. Hey, start with one. Pour your life into them. Pour your life into that relationship. Share your life with them. Don't just share God's good news. Don't just say, I got, the, I got this great book you can read, which I do that because I love books. But don't, don't just say, hey, you really need to watch this movie or, and you feel like, man, hey, you really need to listen to this sermon you know, because that's gonna be the thing that, no. 
Share your life with them. Spend time with them. It's the greatest evangelistic tool you will ever have in your life is to spend time with people. And you can do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And just think if every single one of us did that. Just think if every one of us, single one of us lived with the kind of boldness and intentionality that said, hey, I'm gonna live my life in such a way that when people get close to me, they might meet Jesus. Their life might be forever changed. And you're like, Joe, I don't know if God can use me in that way. I don't know that if I can do that at work. I don't, I don't know. Listen, you have everything that you need. God has given you through his divine power everything that you need for life and godliness by being close to him. You can do it. God wants to fill you with his boldness. He wants to fill you with his power. When you seek his face, you can go home tonight. You can get on your knees in your living room. You can turn on music. You cannot turn on music. And you can get after it and seek the face of God and ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can be full of this boldness that we're talking about. And it doesn't matter where you are, he'll, he, he can do it. He can give you boldness that you never thought was possible. And with his help, your life can make a difference. And it's worth it because our why is big enough, amen? Our why is big enough. If you could bow your heads with me today. If you're here today and um, you just need to meet Jesus, you need to start a relationship with Jesus. And you say, Joe, been wrestling with this for a while, or maybe today for the first time, I, I realized Jesus died for me. He rose again from the grave. I can be forgiven. I can start a new life. God wants to give me a second chance. And you say, Joe, I want to take advantage of that today, and I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, just boldly raise your hand with me today. That's me. Just acknowledge, God, I, need, I, want, I want to invite you into my life to be my Lord, to be my everything. If that's you, Anyone. I want to begin to follow Jesus today. Amen. Whether you're in this room or you're online today and you, you're wanting to, to, to begin a relationship with Jesus, you could just pray a prayer, accept him into your heart. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You'll be saved. You put your faith and trust in him today. Confess that you're a sinner in need of a savior and invite him to be the Lord of your life. You can do that in your own words. It doesn't have to be special words or a special prayer. Just talk to God like you talk to your friend. He loves you. He wants to meet you right where you're at today. And then lastly, before we close, are you here today and you say, Joe, I need to be more bold. It's time to, it's time to step out of just my boldness and step into the boldness that God has for me. And you want to boldly stand against opposition with wisdom. You want to boldly share the gospel. You want to boldly share your life. And you just say, Joe, I'm going to answer that call and step up uh, to that call today. If that's you, as I, as I pray closing prayer, just raise your hand with me. God, we want to boldly share your word. God, we want to boldly live our lives with people because they need you. They need a friend. God, every single person needs someone who knows their name and what's going on in their life, God, and who loves them and can point them towards Jesus. And so we answer the call. God, help us to be bold beyond our boldness. Help us to step into your boldness. Beyond our comfort zone, help us to step into your plan for our lives in Jesus' name. Give us power. Fill us with your spirit. Help us, God, to follow you with our whole hearts. 
Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.